the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation. The true church rapture comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ. Christ's millennial domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again with Season Watch. And uh, we'll just start with prayer. And Lord, um, we just pray that you prepare us for a day of adversity, that you fill our hearts with understanding of who you are, your promises, and the great future you have for us. Help us to know, Lord that we can walk with you and trust with you uh, no matter what. God, help us to give all of our desires, our hopes, our dreams, our concerns to you and trust that you will turn all things to good for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And we just put all these things in your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hello, friends. Uh, you know, last week I talked about how I'd just gone to Jerusalem for Pentecost, and it was an eye-opening experience, I have to tell you. I want to confess that I was knocked back by the spiritual warfare that I was not prepared for. And I hope to use this experience as a caution to all of us. Um, we're not used to any meaningful persecution in America because up until now we've had the Constitution and overall goodwill of the American cultural tradition towards Christians and Christianity as foundational in our society, and we're used to that. But unfortunately, that's over now. We've talked a lot about this the past several weeks, and we need to let go of this idea that we can bring back America to where we were like 30 years ago. It's not the same. Or even before the pandemic, have you noticed? Everything's changed all around the world, all at once, and that should be a sign to us. And of course, we should not stop speaking and standing for truth. We should get in there. We should try to change things and get those little battles wherever we can, locally, nationally. We have to do it. But we need to wake up and recognize that we are, uh, <laughs> that where we are so the enemy cannot knock us back. We cannot hang on to those expectations anymore. We cannot depend on them. And the enemy's about to do a surprise attack on those of us who think we can float along and expect things to return to normal. They're not going to. And so we must prepare for the times ahead. So friends, fasten your truth belts as today we talk about preparing for spiritual battle, training with our weapons of warfare. And so right now, Christian Americans are not ready for spiritual battle. I'm certain of this is my observations and what the Lord is just revealing to me. And that battle is heading our way. It's already started, and most of us don't even realize it. I hear it in conversations. People are like, what do you mean? What's going on? <laughs> they don't see it. And it seems to me most Christians don't want to believe the evidence that we are in the very last of the end days. So they resist changing their thinking to a spiritual battle footing. 
and that's what we need to do. And I hear a commentary. So many Christians, we console ourselves with platitudes like, God can turn things around, and the Lord can do anything, and God can send revival. And of course he can, and that's what we pray for. But the question is, will he? Is this that time, or has that time already passed? And we've talked about these things, that tipping point in previous episodes. And so I hear Christians quoting Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin, I will heal their land. And they quote that as a basis that God can turn things around. And this is a good promise to remember, but we always forget the context because this was specifically to Israel, the people called by his name, and concerning the temple. And while the principle likely applies any time God's people sin, we must remember that America is no longer a Christian nation. I think we could fairly establish that. Certainly Barack Obama said such a thing. And only a remnant are true followers of Jesus. Only a remnant trust in the Bible, that the Bible is true. And in Bible history, that's when judgment comes, when it's only a remnant. And those who are actually following Jesus are not the problem. Can we and should we do more? Yes, we certainly need to grow up. But Christianity is in steep decline and has lost its influence in America. In fact, we have become the face of the enemy standing in the way of cultural so-called progress. And soon the culture will attack its enemy. I'm not going to rehearse again how our government is violating the Constitution at will and America is going along. They accept the narrative that uh, those who disobey the government and voice any concerns against these things in the narrative that these are dangerous threats to society. And every constitutional right has been violated since 2020, and America seems to be okay with it because Satan has pegged those who challenge culture as the enemy. And Americans have accepted that all is fair in this culture war. And so just as Psalm 2 prophesied this time of the end, we see Psalm 2, verse 1, we've talked about this. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. That's what we're doing. We're seeing the whole world gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed and those who represent him on the earth. So the American public tells itself, well, they must be really bad, these Christians and these people who stand against the culture. Um, and so whatever the government needs to do, it's okay. Let the government do what it needs to do, right? So they silence us, and they, they've done all manner of things that we've already talked about. And friends, when Christians speak the truth, we are dangerous to Satan's plans to have dominion over the world and to declare himself. That's what he wants. He wants to declare himself God. And around the world, there are heinous, brutal, unrestrained attacks on our Christian brothers and sisters. We've talked about this. And wherever there's no restraint against lawlessness, Christians are hunted. So just as in every other nation where tyranny takes hold, they will marginalize silence outlaw and take out the true followers of Jesus here in America. It's a matter of time, and frankly, it's already starting. They're setting up the foundation for taking us out. You can just pay attention, and you see the laws being introduced, being set up, and who the targets are. Uh, But the church in America is so comfortable. We've laid down our little trumpets. We don't sound the alarm, and we think everything will straighten out. Everything will return to normal. Just have faith. 
But uh, we think nothing bad will happen to us here when really just a little pushback from the culture silences and intimidates us. It doesn't take much for us to back down, does it? And we aren't ready for the spiritual warfare already raging, and it will take the church out before its time. And we're supposed to be the leaders of freedom and truth in the world, and yet we're the most silent right now. And what I experienced is Israel in Israel is that spiritual warfare is happening on a high plane. It is not for those who are easily wounded, as I found out. The Messianic Jews and the Christians from around the world who come there prepare for battle by understanding what the Bible says, and they spend hours in deep prayer, worship, and Bible study. And this is because they know that's the foundation of the work. They know these things. They lay this foundation, and then they go to work in their assignments. And they know the word. They can quote passages. I've heard them. They quote passages in prayers, whole passages, or when they're speaking, and they'll just speak the truth. They'll just speak the word. They'll speak the promises right in the midst of something to tear down strongholds and to make a way forward. They take the battle seriously. This is necessary. Or the enemy will take us out. And that's what I saw in Jerusalem. Christians full of holy fire for the gospel from every nation coming to pray and seek God. They know where the epicenter is. They pray there. They pray for Jerusalem. They pray for Israel. They pray for Jews to come to faith. And then they go back to their own ministries, running orphanages and in, in, in other nations and, and doing the work that God has called them to do. And they pray for because the spiritual storm is already upon the world, and we don't see it. They see it. They're serious. They're dedicated followers of Jesus, and they spend hours in worship, Bible study, and prayer, arming for this time, and we must do the same for God's glory, wear his spiritual armor. It's all there in the Bible, but we don't believe it. They do. These people from every nation are seasoned warriors, and they prepare to walk before him with utmost reverence, standing and claiming his promises. These are the spiritual officers trained elite forces in the Lord's army, and we must catch up. Trust me. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, as we've said before, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not what you see. They're not what you hear. These, these are not the weapons, but they're mighty in God. The pulling down of strongholds. You understand what a stronghold is. Don't pass over it. Casting down imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. These are thoughts and attacks of the mind that fool people, that fool people out of their truth. And then we need to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is the battle is in the mind. And most American Christians even know that the, what the armor of God is. And what he's given to us, but do we really believe that we need it, that it's for a real battle? Do we even think about what really happens in the spiritual realm to oppose God's work through us? And so, again, let's take a look at Ephesians 6, right? Some of you have this memorized. I'm asking you, take it to heart. Ask questions, investigate, study, figure out what is he getting at, what is this for, and why do we need it? And so we see Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's tricky. He's cunning. He's smarter than us, frankly. Um, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. These things are true. We must accept them as true and study and plan. 
13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. That's now. And having done all to stand, stand your ground. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. They need us. We must pray for the saints. And for me, that utterance be may, may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. He was going out to people who either did not know the gospel or were trying to shut it down. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. <laughs> he's in jail, and he's asking us to pray for him that he will speak boldly no matter where you are, wherever God's put you. You still have an assignment, and he recognized this because this is a spiritual battle. And so the warfare against us is real because true followers of Jesus take spiritual ground. We spread the gospel. We make disciples of every nation. We speak the truth and call out wickedness. We are no respecter of persons, and we stand for the weak, lift up the heads of the lonely. We free the captives from Satan's grip and give those walking in darkness the key to light. We fight for individual freedom and individual value, the worth of every human being. The world doesn't do that. And that's the battle. And every inch and soul costs Satan his dominion. And he's not going to let that happen without trying to take us out. And he's fine with all the churches in the world. Establish all the churches in the world. There's several churches in uh, communist China. You just have to register. And you have to have your sermons approved. That's all. No big deal. You can have as many churches as you want as long as they're approved by the Satan-run institutions. And once you establish your church, he can just get inside them and influence them. That's fine. Make more churches. Go for it. He's fine with all of our church projects, projects, our how-to sermons, our seven steps to peace, whatever, as long as we keep it in the church walls, as long as it's without power, right? Go ahead. Be busy, little Christians. And as I said last week in America, most Christians have not trained past boot camp if we've even finished that. As Hebrews 5.12 reminds us, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles and the oracles of God, and you've come to need milk and not solid food. Ouch. I've heard him say that to me. I don't know if you've heard him say that to you. And we ought to be conscious of this because whatever level we're at, we can't just stop there. We have to keep going, have to keep growing, have to keep knowing. Right. And and he challenges us. Most Christians need to grow up fast or we're going to get chewed up in this battle that's now raging. We don't see it and we don't want to see it. We have the microwave faith, fasted, tasteless, but it's time to dwell in the tabernacle of the Most High. Oh, you need to read the Psalms. I don't know how David came up with these things. They're beautiful promises of dwelling in his tabernacle in the Most High in his dwelling place and being in his secret place and being in his pavilions, his secret pavilions when trouble comes. That's spiritual. God doesn't just like set up a little, you know, bomb shelter for each of us. These are spiritual things and we must grasp them. 
And as I said in Jerusalem, I witnessed congregations of Messianic Jews and ministries of 24-hour prayer and worship and believers that seek him in spirit and truth as the focus of their whole life. Can we say that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added to you. Do we do that? Can we honestly say he's first on the list? I saw people who do that, and it inspired me. They pray for open doors for the taking down of strongholds. For other believers, they battle and contend for people around the world, uh, standing up to Satan, standing for truth, and just trying to survive that know, that know the Lord. For taking of new ground, right? For breakthroughs and spiritual battle for Israel and for the people and for every nation for persecuted Christians that the gospel may go out. They pray for all these things and everybody has an assignment. God has an assignment for you. And these people are fighting for his kingdom and to take ground before we go. And the Bible talks about these things, but we don't take them seriously. Just read Daniel and Revelation and Ezekiel and Zechariah and so many more descriptions of this high-level spiritual battle that manifests in and influences the spiritual realm, I mean the physical realm. So it's happening in the spirit, but it's affecting the spiritual, the physical realm. And we have to recognize this. God gave us the Holy Spirit to access the heavenly kingdom, to pull down strongholds, to call upon the Lord and his promises through Jesus to fight spiritual darkness in high places. And this is the battle. I heard once, um, in fact, it's on my Rumble channel, I heard once a man who said that he was wholly given over to Satan, that he was a satanic warrior and uh and, and preacher for Satan and that he could project, he could astral project, he could go out into the world and he could, you know, like his spirit could go over neighborhoods and he would, would pray curses over it and that it would bring darkness over the neighborhoods. And he testified that before he came to, to Jesus, he testified that when he would fly over, when he would go over a neighborhood and try to pray curses over a neighborhood, and there were Christians there praying for that neighborhood, he said he couldn't touch it. That's the spiritual realm. And we need to read these things in the Bible and believe them, right? And so the heavens are the battle in this crucial time. The battle is over territory and souls and strongholds. And through the promise of the Holy Spirit, we have access to God and to his heavenly army to aid us in these battles. And we have power through the word and through prayer to tear down strongholds and to free spiritual captives, to open territory, to revival, to resist spiritual darkness. That's including our neighborhoods. That's including our neighbors, our friends, our family. It's including um, nations. It's including kingdoms. We God has given that power and authority to us, and we just must walk in it. But we don't. As microwave uh, American Christians, we like to have a quick prayer and a quick word, and then we go our way as if the whole world wasn't on fire, and it is on fire as the Lord is coming soon, and territory must be fought over before we're taken up. And as I said last week, it's clear that our spiritual power comes from uh, where it comes from because it's the thing the enemy most wants to block, and that's the word, prayer, and worship. And remember, over Pentecost, I went on the Temple Mount, and as I told you before, the Muslims who have authority over it forbid praying, reading the Word, and worship. I mean, that's Satan for you. How do you how do you forbid praying? And he knows Satan knows that all the power for believers is in prayer and in the Word and 
worship, especially out loud. And can you believe it's literally illegal? They go around harassing you saying, it's forbidden to pray. No praying. I mean, they came and wagged their fingers at us. No praying. And we're like, (laughs) how do you stop someone from praying? Satan doesn't want us to pray. He doesn't want us to read the word. He does not want us to worship. No singing, right? And so Jews and Gentiles alike have actually been dragged off the Temple Mount, even arrested for violating these ordinances, because that's where the power is. Yet we treat these precious weapons as trinkets of obligation. Oh, that's right. I have to. Oh, yeah. Let's pray real quick. Um, And so how many churches don't even open their Bibles in service, right? We have like this checklist Christianity and we're not ready. We must get the word in our heart. We must memorize it and be ready, have it ready like arrows in our quiver available to shoot down imaginations that target our mind, right? Because that's where the battleground is. And I'm telling you, America, the storm is raging and it's about to hit us full force. We're not serious. We're not training. We're not honing our skills. We don't know the battle plan. We don't know what our weapons are. We don't know how to use them. I can testify that I thought I was prepared to go to Jerusalem. My plan was to bring handouts of Old Testament verses about the Messiah. That's it. Just Old Testament verses, nothing to proselytize and let people decide. And I had prayed. I had read my Bible, and I thought I was prepared to go. But at the same time, I realize now I was also busy preparing to go. And I was not walking into the same kind of situation I walked into before. I thought I could, just like when I do outreach in San Diego, the Lord would lead me and open opportunities. But there was a spiritual battle raging in that territory of the old city of Jerusalem, where I stayed, and I wasn't ready for it. Old Jerusalem, where the temple and the original city stood, the most contested spiritual ground on earth, and the resistance came in many forms. And at that time, it was the orthodox religious spirit resisting Yeshua and pressuring the community not to even hear about him. They even protested the Christian Pentecost celebration, and it became very volatile, which you can see on videos. I even have something on my Rumble channel. A few people were injured, and this is very different from the ordinarily peaceful community, Orthodox community. They don't even enlist in the military. They won't fight. And yet now we're seeing this huge pushback all of a sudden blocking and contending for their identity, for the things that are holy to them. And it it makes sense. And they see Yeshua as a threat, just as they did in his day. And the spiritual battle is heating up. And a religious spirit, just as I said in Jesus' day, is taking hold. I even had a man walking around me, an Orthodox man walking around me, warning others not to take the handouts. And one young man who had taken them, when he heard this, he tore them up. And he said, we don't want Yeshua. And he spit on the ground as he said his name. I mean, I'm so sad for them, and I get it, but this is spiritual darkness keeping them from knowing Yeshua. And I had not encountered this angry religious spirit in Jerusalem before. Satan is stirring up resistance in these last days, and I wasn't ready for it. And frankly, it was palpable. It took me out as long as I was in the old city. Outside the old city, newer parts of Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, other places— they're, they're actually opening up to hear the gospel. There's more coming to Yeshua. But right there, it was a fierce battleground. And I lost my game plan. I didn't sense God's leading. I became confused about why I was there. My expectations were shattered. 
This is how the enemy attacks us. He looks for vulnerabilities in the mind, and that's why we need to train for battle and expect resistance. As my friend always says, they only tackle the one carrying the ball, and we must not drop the ball. We must move forward and take territory for the kingdom. But Satan's influence is growing stronger, and he's taking new territories, and we have to train how to fight in this great final battle to save souls before the coming tribulation. And as I was reading Jesus' letter to the Church of Philadelphia in Revelations, I realized that the last day's church, the one to be raptured, is the Church of Philadelphia. And in his letter to the Church of Philadelphia, Jesus commended them for very specific things, which I believe are the characteristics of the true church in the last days, starting in chapter 3, verse 7. And the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things say he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, he who opens and no man shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. Uh, You have a little strength. You've kept my word and have not denied my name. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come on the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. But then he adds a warning in verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast to that you have, that no man may take your crown. And I always wondered, how can someone take my crown? And so next week, we're going to talk about how to defend the crown that God has prepared for those of us in the last days who hold fast to him, who want to walk in truth, and we want to take territory for the kingdom of God before we go. And so please join me until next time. God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.